0: Hey everyone. It's Small Timber. Small Vember. And we watched
1: No Deposit. What movie is this? It's so small, it might not even exist. Did I get the name of the movie right? I think so.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I think so. Check the DVD. <laughs> and yes.
0: The flop house. I'm Dan McCoy.
2: Woo wee. It's small Vember and I'm Stuart Wellington.
1: And I'm Elliot Caelan, being real small for small Vember.
2: <laughs> uh, no, so wait, I, so do you live in like a little shoebox? I
1: live in a little Box. Oh wow!
2: You're even smaller than I thought. It's small, very Weber.
1: tiny. I'll hop in your pocket. You won't know I'm there. Oh, so uh, you can maybe. jump like a
2: flea or something?
1: Uh, yeah, I have super bug jumping. <laughs> <Are>
0: you <laughs> spying on me while I'm changing?
1: Uh, a little bit. <laughs> okay. I crawl up your chest hair in the middle of the I night don't when like you're it. sleeping.
2: I think I saw a, a Up All Night uh, movie where a guy was crawling around in somebody's pubes uh, like that, but they were like, he was super tiny, so it was like, "Honey, I shrunk the kids." Like he was like, or the, or the Incredible Shrinking Man. Yeah, I think that's what the movie was. <laughs> no, it's like, "Honey, I shrunk the kids." <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Like the pubes scene like
1: it. and Honey, when Rick Moranis accidentally <laughs> <laughs> drops the
3: kids in his pants. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, and they had to tra- traverse his uh, his jungle of a bush. Mm-hmm. I can only assume. Just as in <laughs> the. Right off crabs, just but, like in the we're the, the, like actual like yeah, actual, actual crabs, okay, yeah, 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 like
1: in the Rudyard Kipling classic, The Jungle Bush,
3: <laughs> in
2: which Mowgli goes through some changes. Uh huh. He uh-huh. gets real small and climbs around in a bush. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah, I've been told by who? <laughs> I don't know. So what do we but do with you your guys, counselors,
1: <laughs> your parole officers? you that I don't know. I'll I don't think what. I've actually been told that. You see two birds in the bush, you drop that bird in your hand, and you go for him because two is more than one. While he's doing that, I'm going to pick up the bird that he dropped. Mm-hmm. More bird for me. <laughs>
2: okay, but are you just going to pick up one, or is there a second bird for you to grab? It
1: depends on how many he catches.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> what kind of bird is this? Yeah, why do I want it so bait? much? Because well, you can eat it. Yeah, but... More companionship. Like a pigeon. Like a wormy pigeon.
1: Gross. Well, one, pigeons Wait. are a delicacy all over the world. Yeah. Why is it wormy? Is it dead already? <laughs> in that case, don't bother with it. Not the not the not the challenge you think it is.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stop waving it around in your hand.
1: It, put it down. That's disgusting. Where did you even get that? For those who can't see, because you're listening to this, Dan is holding the wormy corpse of a pigeon, mm-hmm. and he's just waving it around. <laughs> yeah, his name's Edgar, and he's my friend. Oh, don't pretend it's a back Don't Stop doing prop work with it. <laughs> now it's a phone. Oh, I get it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a mirror, now it's a microphone you're singing old doo-wop tunes <laughs> now, into. Now, now you're telling it to talk to the hand, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> this is from the new
1: show, Whose Corpse Is It Anyway?, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do improv with Ouch. dead things. That's, uh, that's like that old horror movie, where children shouldn't do improv with dead things. That's right.
4: <laughs> so, um, so
1: what's Small Vember, Dan? Well, we we'll explain what this podcast is and then explain what Small Vember is. Well, Small Timber, as I meant to name it before mm-hmm. my tongue slipped. Unfortunately, it's, it's a real uh, champing at the bit, chomping at the bit situation mm-hmm. where. Pedants will tell you. Also, pronounce pedants per- mm-hmm. correctly. Is uh, they will tell you. it's... Pedants will tell you it's pronounced pedants. <laughs> <laughs> they will tell you it's champing at the bit, or you've got another think coming. Mm-hmm. But real people say chomping at the bit, and you've got another thing coming because they're make more sense. Mm-hmm. They're better. So much as they the pedants in the uh, sense, in the I would ivory, say. Ta- you've got another think coming. No one talks about having a thing. <laughs> you have a thought. You could say you have another thought coming, but. Pe- the, maybe, yeah, but what thing do you have coming? A comeuppance? Yeah, another yeah. idea? That's it seems the wonderful—the wonderful thing about thingers, Dan, is that thingers are wonderful things. A thing can be anything. Mm-hmm. That's what the word "thing" means. Mm-hmm. It means anything or a problem. hand that just crawls around on its own, or a okay. big rock man who smokes cigars before Marvel decided its heroes didn't smoke cigars anymore.
2: And you know, deep down, even though he looks like a rock monster man, he's got a really rock monster. Man, like uh, down, he's got like a really—he's uh, got a really like good soul, you know. Oh, sure, he's, yeah, like he's a good guy. He's still
1: Benjamin J. Grimm, his mm-hmm. Aunt Petunia's favorite mm-hmm. nephew, the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. Whereas yeah. my son calls him the anything or the something. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't quite wrapped his mind around the idea. that The guy's just called the thing. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but Dan, you and your ivory tower Ivy League world—maybe say small timber. All right. But us on the streets, mm-hmm. the everyday folk living their yeah. lives and just trying their best to get by. You say. We say small vember. Nuclear. We say nuclear. We say, uh, library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You say f- foliage. You say washroom. I say washroom. Yeah, I say turtle And I say small vember. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. A turtle is half turtle, half toilet. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's seen a in, living. <laughs> As seen in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtlets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so small Vember is what is it? What do we do on this podcast? Watch, small Vember? So normally we like to punch up. We like to
0: make fun of big movies or at least movies that got a wide release in theaters. Movies where the people who made them go and live in fancy houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in small temper, we uh, you know we throw away our morals and decide to take on smaller movies, the real passion projects.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they're usually the best. And boy, howdy. Oh, this. gee willikers. Guys, now this is an example of why we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you tell the story of how we came across this movie? Okay. Uh, so Uh Which is
0: called No Deposit. I'm yep. going to check on that right now. We're
2: watching... <laughs> nope, a
1: lot That's of Foley
3: work there with the chair. Loud sound of
1: dance. I mean, I, I also... And just look it up
2: online.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. keeps going. <laughs> That's Dan dropping the DVD box. Oh,
2: Dan's picking up a slide whistle. And he puts it back oh, do not open that diesel.
3: closet. <laughs> clang, clang, clump, clump, clang, clang. All right,
0: guys. He's yes. riding an elephant back. i confirmed that it's called No Deposit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Thanks for that radio audio theater fact-checking session. Yeah. So,
2: Stuart, tell us the origin of No Deposit. Okay, now, I have been accused in the past of having a suspect memory Uh, and I think this, uh, story is going to be probably the same as all the other ones. So please write in and tell me that I was wrong. But, uh, back in July after one of our live shows, some fellows from Canada, uh, came up and talked to me. Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. I can only assume. And they.
3: (laughs) In disguise? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They were not wearing their trademark Tukes, mm-hmm. drinking their Elsinore beer. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, and they were, these two guys came up and uh, had some very nice things to say about the show. They said they were involved in the film industry. And they also stuffed a DVD in, in your pants, in my pants. And I'm like, hey, guys, hands off the merchandise. Uh-huh. And then I rolled some dice on the floor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then so they uh, and it, they explain a this, real goon show turn. That's story. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they explain, explain the uh, that this movie is this like passion project, not unlike one of your fateful findings, one mm-hmm. of your The Rooms. Uh, and they explained some other stuff that I I, I kind of just tuned out because I was riding high, having just done a show with my favorite guys. Well,
0: Aww. let's explain a little bit about it uh, now. This is a this is a Frank D'Angelo film. Now
1: Frank D'Angelo may be familiar to our Canadian listeners mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur. He owns a company that has an energy drink, mm-hmm. and for a while he merged, Stor- I believe. Uh, Surge? I think it's Surge. Okay, that's and a one. But one, it's uh. Canadian, so it's spelled S-E-R-G-E, and it's a French-Canadian <laughs> it's energy Serge. drink. But uh, I don't know that it is Surge, but he's he's a successful drink manufacturer. He had a brewery for a while, which failed. He mm-hmm. has a band that's named after his brewery, which he sings in. And he's What's also... What's the name of the band? Uh, Steelback Brewery, or the that's Steelback 2-4, awesome. or something like that. And uh, I think it's Steelback. And uh, he also, I mean, we don't have to get into this, but it was like... We are watching the movie, and I'm like, this is crazy. The guy's starring in the movie, and he directs it and writes it, and he's terrible, and he's just some businessman. And then I'm looking him up on Wikipedia, and there's the part about his sexual assault charge Mm -hmm. that he had to face in court. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, this is less fun all of a sudden. Although it does
0: explain why every woman in the film is a harpy, probably. Oh, yeah,
1: that's true, except his loving girlfriend or wife. No wife. And he also hosts a, uh, a, a talk show that he pays to air in Canada.
2: Uh-huh. What's the name of the talk show?
1: The Being Frank Show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so he's a guy
1: who like, has money and decided he wants to make movies, and he's made a couple now, and his trademark is that he hires real Relatively big name actors to now, be them now. Before you get, into I mean, the big that's name most actors. Hollywood
2: uh, Hollywood directors' trademark is hiring big, big name, name actors. Yeah, yeah.
1: but not you, usually your passion project guys who are totally outside the film industry. you're Neil Breen's, if you will, mm-hmm. they, don't they don't have, have, the, have the wherewithal bus. to. And but like this guy is like, it's he like he's on he's not as crazy as Neil Breen. It's okay. like if Neil Breen uh was on meds, like okay. was taking his meds and had an accurate view of reality, except that he still thought he was a great artist and the greatest guy in human history, that's Frank D'Angelo.
0: Okay. I want to note, uh, before we get into the big you stars... You want to note what
1: love is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to note what love <laughs> is. Um, uh,
0: that this, the movie is totally scored by Frank D'Angelo uh-huh. songs, and that the, DV, uh, the Blu-ray that we were given uh, has a copy of Frank D'Angelo's album titled Look Into the Stars... And it's accompanied by a photo of Frank D'Angelo that looks to have been taken about 20 years <laughs> earlier than when this movie was made.
1: Now, Frank D'Angelo is a true auteur. He wrote the movie. He directed mm-hmm. it. He stars in it. He cast it. He gave himself a story by credit, which seems redundant when he wrote yeah. the screenplay, too.
2: And the and just to, just to point out, the soundtrack that is recorded by Frank D'Angelo, or I like to call him Frank Steely D'Angelo because he provides some uh, poppy, upbeat, jazzy little renditions of songs like Hallelujah which is always great in a movie. Mm -hmm. And Live and Let Die was credited at the end but I don't remember hearing it. Yeah, he must have disguised it really well in Mm -hmm. one of the earlier scenes. What I've always wanted is a jazzy, poppy, up-tempo version of Hallelujah, by the way. Yeah, exactly. You're like Mm, Kelsey Grammer is not available to sing this. <laughs> I guess uh, Frank D'Angelo is our next
1: best bet. <laughs> so, but there's there were no stars in the heavens, or rather mm. Toronto, uh, the Toronto skies, because even though it's set in Brooklyn, it's very clearly not. Aside from the. Huge swaths of stock footage of the Manhattan skyline that appears yeah. in the film, but he, there are all these stars. There's uh, Paul Sorvino. There's Eric Roberts. There's Doris Roberts, and I have to assume what was one of her last roles. Who's she there? Passed. Is that a Baldwin I see? There's. Well, we'll get to him. There's Robert Loja playing a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> yep. Michael Madsen. There's. Uh, Daniel Margot Kidder, Daniel Baldwin playing the most anti-Semitic character I've seen in a film since Triumph of the Will. Yeah. There's Peter Coyote. There's all the, like... There's a real coyote. No, there, there <laughs> isn't. A coyote from the Roadrunner cartoons. And I wanted to say that Dominique Swain is in it, but in the end credits she's listed as Dominique Swain. So <laughs> that's either a typo or it's just someone who looks like Dominique Swain and has a very
2: similar name. it must have been really awkward at the flashy red carpet premiere where Dominique <laughs> yeah. Swain showed up and they're like, like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you're not on the are list. You, are you Dumike Swain? No, no, I'm Dominique Swain.
1: Well, you're not in this film. But uh, it's the story of two men, one who, mm-hmm. forgot, fall, who through hard times falls on the wrong side of the tracks and takes the wrong road and one who is the greatest Billionaire saint who ever lived. Although we
0: we assumed at the beginning of the movie that it was a mobster, just entirely based on the way he talked. And look, he also, he
1: sleeps wearing a platinum watch and platinum bracelets and a huge pinky ring. Mm -hmm. And gold chain. And gold chains. And like where I'm from, New Jersey, Mm -hmm. a big pinky ring means you're either in the mob or you want people to think you're in the mob.
4: Yeah.
0: Or your Ringo star visiting. So the movie- I
3: mean, yeah, I mean, he doesn't show up
1: in New Jersey <laughs> that like often. New Jersey. <laughs> I really wanted to have some of this pizza I've heard so
3: much about. <laughs> what else do you do in New Jersey? <laughs> Pretty much it. You want to go to a diner? Sure. I'll go- you got a lot of them here on your turnpike. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you gotta play, You got to pay your dues if you want to play the blues. <laughs> and where else do you pay your dues than in New Jersey? Yes. I, deci- <laughs> I decided to
3: take the family down to Wildwood. <laughs> really? Okay. I mean, it seems like you can afford to go somewhere much much greater than that. Couldn't take a swing by Sandy Hook. <laughs> That's Sandy Hook,
1: but he's English. So he's I didn't Sandy get U- to area. be a beetle by throwing my money around. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some guys can live like there's no tomorrow, John Lennon. But I can't. <laughs> that was really tasteless of you, Ringo. That was a friend of yours. Killed... Wait before his time. Well, if you got to laugh about it,
3: huh? I'm the one who's living off of his royalties, Ringo. This is a wow. side of you I never wanted to see. This is a dark star indeed.
0: Yeah, love you, Ringo Star. You're a your treasure. So
1: I decided to go down to
3: Oboken and see Frank Sinatra's birth house. <laughs> Other words that start with H, so I don't have to pronounce it. Now this movie begins with.
2: Uh, Information about the housing crisis recited by a <laughs> Barack Obama sound-alike. That's up to debate. <laughs> this is a controversy that's been raging since the film started. <laughs> because the Just because the sound-alike was so
1: terrible. And there's and we're given no in-film evidence that except that he refers to himself as a leader and yeah. says he won't let it happen again. The fact is that also, like, Barack Obama's a real president who made real speeches. I don't remember him ever making that speech. I don't, like, No, it's not, I don't, so it's, and Barack Obama doesn't show up as a character in the film.
2: So you're saying that filmmakers never take historical liberties with things that, well, world leaders say. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, Stuart. <laughs> okay, just uh, just writing this down in my Elliot <laughs> <laughs> journal. That's the exactly what i Rules that lives by.
1: But, okay, so we're given probably, what, five straight minutes, six straight minutes? Yeah. Of like- stock footage of New York and just economic calamity. Yeah, graphs going down. Homeless people, yeah, <laughs> yeah. animated graphs going down. Foreclose signs being slapped on buildings. Mm-hmm. While we hear this, like, speech by possibly barack foe Obama. <laughs> good one. Uh, people in barrels selling apples. Mm-hmm. Blind man with a cup full of pencils <laughs> on a street corner. Yeah, yeah, of course. Stockbroker throws himself out a window and lands on a couple doing the Charleston.
3: <laughs> and they're We're stuffing the fl- themselves in a phone booth.
1: Flag ball sitting have sitting at the flag bowl <laughs> I was hoping now, is that a bowl I of flags you wouldn't know <laughs> is that like the super that bowl one. but it's flag ball
2: yeah it's a good question because <laughs> a good because one. uh like the orange bowl is a uh is a football game where they play with oranges and yes.
1: very messy <laughs> yeah
2: they got to stop the plays all the time because the balls have been squeezed too hard and just
1: exploded. Yeah, yeah. So, so
0: the movie starts with this guy, uh, the well, we're, D'Angelo. Well,
1: we're set up to feel like this is going to be a real indictment of the housing crisis. Yeah. This is about people who really are having trouble. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of big ideas in his mind. He's tying it into real world current events.
2: I was expecting, uh, you know, Steve Carell with a waggy haircut to show up and start shouting at bankers. <laughs> yeah.
1: Christian Bale to just be listening to Metallica <laughs> while he drums on his desk. Yeah. Now, this takes place after the housing crisis as shown by the opening, and yet later we see Dominique Swain smoking in a bar, which has been illegal in New York since well before 2008. (laughs) Stuart, you're a barkeep. How do you explain this? You're a tavern uh, owner. Well,
2: that's the thing. Like you can tell that uh, the bar, the bartender, and I'm, I'm hoping bar owner Paul Sorvino in this movie. That would be really sad if he didn't. Know. Yeah, that he's like <laughs> if Paul
1: Sorvino was just a bar back.
4: For, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. This is uh, he just works the day shift because he's not ready for the prime time. Uh, well, the thing is that as you can see, his only customers are these people. So he's like, I gotta, you know, I gotta cater to my regulars. Gotta bend the rules. Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, we're introduced into the world of. Uh, Eric Roberts, who's a banker, mm-hmm. who is telling, Who's
0: at work at five fifty in the morning.
1: It doesn't. He's talking to Michael Pare uh, from Streets of Fire. Yeah, uh, who is you average every man who has the hair of a man in his thirties, even though the <laughs> rest up of it wearing is wearing a thirty year old's wig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Michael. Here is Michael Pare's like character is this acid washed jeans too. <laughs> he's this put upon every man who dresses like he's outrage uh, or yeah. a little younger, and we're all in our mid to late thirties, mm-hmm. and. Has a wife and a very young child who's maybe about two years old who is an enormous child, like enormous baby. This is the biggest goddamn baby
2: I've ever seen. (laughs) He's wearing these fucking blue jeans where I'm like, I I saw the tag on those things. I'm like, those are bigger than my blue jeans. (laughs) These blue jeans have a 40 waist.
1: But he's a, but so this, we're supposed to believe he's he's a man down on his luck with a young family, even though he's clearly, his children should be in college by this point. But, yeah, I mean, that's why it's such a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the ba- child is actually 17. But So he is being told by Eric Roberts, and we know it's early in the morning because Eric Roberts interrupts this this appointment to call another client and the cli- wakes the client up because it's 5.55 a.m. So maybe this is one of those banks that's open early for people who have to go to work. I don't mm-hmm. understand. You know, Like certain doctor's offices are like that. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I can maybe. almost understand him like, Calling someone that early in the morning, if it's really important, maybe. But I can't understand him interrupting another like meeting with a bank <laughs> person
2: like who has m- come in making the appointment that early. Yeah, because yeah. you look at Eric Roberts and you see a guy who's clearly like a consummate professional. <laughs> who loves never to be- does anything erratically. <laughs> certainly doesn't comb his hair like a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> and loves to be up bright and early in the morning. I'm sure, but he. I mean, this is we have to assume
1: he did not go to bed. <laughs> So he calls our uh, D'Ang- Frank D'Angelo, the mm-hmm. writer, director, star who's in bed, and tells him, You have to come. Yeah, he's
2: dripping with jewels and gems.
1: You have to come yeah. down to. With, with jewels and gems. <laughs> <laughs> the classic of the J- French New Wave. Dri- dri- posters, DVD copies, the original screenplay, <laughs> mm-hmm. stills from the lobby cards. He tells him, Oh, there's, your, your company is getting an $8 million payment. That's a lot of money. There's these new rules. You have to come down and sign for it yourself but you have six to seven days to do it. That's why I'm calling you so early in the morning. He then hangs up <laughs> and then turns to his client and says, you haven't met your payments. We're taking your house away. <laughs> He's
0: like, I just wanted to do that call in the middle to uh, really rub it in that other people have more money than you. To show a, you, what a power this move. This
1: guy so much got so much money, he'll just stop by in a week maybe to pick the up thing eight million that's bucks. great
2: is he calls this, this uh, Frank D'Angelo's character, Jimmy Valenti, he calls him
0: Jack Do, he
2: doesn't answer right away. Like, he and his, his wife argue about how tired they are. and It's too early. They're not going to pick they, up the they phone. They argue for a while And about then Eric things. Roberts is like, you know what? I'm just going to give him another shot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, he calls, him calls him a second him time. And it finally gets him on the phone. And there we see our director. Uh, the first shot of him is lying in bed with the camera pointed directly up his nostrils. And also... The first
1: two scenes with this character he, he talks to Eric Roberts on the phone, then he calls an employee of his to remo- tell him he has to go down and sign this thing. Our director does not open his eyes, I think once the entire time. Mm-hmm. He is sleeping through the the starring role in his
2: own film. yeah, I mean he's so into it. that's what's so like he's so like kind of locked in and keyed in. yeah, and I guess it also shows us that he doesn't sweat the small stuff. That he isn't going to let this ruin his sleep
1: no. because here's the thing. He dresses like a gangster. He wears these big mm-hmm. pinky rings, black leather jacket over black t-shirt with black pants. His wife tells him, oh, I bought you a nice suit. He goes, ah, that's not what I wear, Buta da And he's driving around. Everything about him screams mobster. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a movie about a mobster who's breaking the law and succeeding. And an ordinary Joe who's trying to play by the rules and is failing to show that the system is rigged. Au contraire. It turns out that he is not a mobster. He is a successful businessman who's also the greatest man in the world. But we'll get to that. Yes, he's
2: he's a man who only eats one big meal a day, he says. (laughs) And he likes, and it's made very
1: clear when he meets with his executives in what is certainly not the only free room in a in an office space oh my god space. it's they,
0: clearly like i mean like it might be his office space cuz it's all i mean like if it's not
1: his products just, are all over the walls his pro- yeah his products are all over the walls it's all energy but drinks but those could the walls. be his character's products a lot of this movie also we should mention was shot clearly in a hotel lobby hotel restaurant and hotel banquet room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and hotel it's like it's very poorly
2: disguised. Are you talking about how the New York Police Department uh <laughs> seems to share an office with like a marketing company <laughs> <Yes>. or something
1: <laughs> and interrogates people at what is clearly the the breakfast buffet area yeah, of yeah, the hotel yeah. that the bank and also his wife's tea room that she goes to visit appear to be the same banquet mm-hmm. hall in the in the hotel uh Everywhere looks like lobbies. It's- I mean,
2: his boardroom where this, you know, like very wealthy guy doesn't worry about money. The boardroom for his company, which is a very large building with a name that is, I mean, it's so high tech that they literally have the name like drawn on in Photoshop. Basically, CGI <laughs> the name, man. Right. Uh, His boardroom has, like, a cork board in it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with printouts that say, like, Salesforce winner
1: 2014. <laughs> just just up on it. It's it's a real mix of what we're supposed to be taking from the film and what we're actually taking from the film. But anyway, so while Frank D'Angelo is is riding high, except he's got to go through the trouble of the... Uh, has to go through the trouble of signing for this payment of $8 million. Mm-hmm. This other guy, what was his name, Nicky? Nicky, Mickey Mickey, Ryan. Mickey Ryan, ordinary Joe. He can't find work, Mm -hmm. he can't afford his house, his wife hates him. She screams at him to get to the baby. The baby loves him because he's great.
2: She's like many women in this movie, has a nightstand covered in empty booze bottles. Every
1: every woman except Frank D'Angelo's wife in this is an alcoholic, shrill harpy. mm -hmm. Except for uh, Frank D'Angelo's wife and the... uh, best-selling author slash expert on hostage situations who appears on the news later. Can't
0: seem to stop grinning while reporting on a hostage situation. But we'll get to
1: that. Dan, you had thing I wanted to say. Is it about how Mick, how Mickey can't even afford a hot dog with soda? He has to just get the hot dog? Because <laughs> no. he can't afford to pay the extra dollar <laughs> no, for
2: a just, drink? $4, dude, for a hot dog and a drink? That's fucking crazy. And he says, how
1: much for the hot dog? $3. $3 for a street hot dog? That should be a $2 dog. Only yeah. in Toronto pretending to be New York. Now, let me just say <laughs> yeah. one thing. I recently paid ten dollars for a hot dog. It was mm-hmm. at an airport. There's always a markup. I was like, you know what? I'm used to paying. You pay fifteen dollars for a, a hot dog in an airport. Here's why, because <laughs> I got a, a hamburger. My son wanted a hot dog. This hot dog arrived. It was easily fifteen inches long, and it was delicious. <laughs>
2: And so I'll tell you this. If so you're, you, you're like, uh, sir, I'd like to return this hamburger and pay the additional $3 to get the hot dog option. Now you're going
0: to refund me <laughs> for the unused portion of this hamburger, correct?
1: And I want you to apply that credit to the hot dog. I'll pay the rest. It'll be like a buck. So here's my tip for those who are interested. Mm-hmm. If you're ever in
2: the Phoenix airport,
1: just go ahead and get a hot dog. Okay. Right. What's
2: the What was the purveyor of this hot meat?
1: Don't remember.
3: It's hot beef <laughs> Oh wow! Don't remember. I, it was just such sweet ambrosia. I couldn't hold it in my memory. Yeah, yeah. It's clouded the memories. So
1: anyway, that was Elliot Kalen's hot dog, hot dog <laughs> adventure story.
2: The hot dog diaries.
3: <laughs> yeah. I wrote that in an email. Sent it to David Hot Dog Covney. <laughs> and he reads it while
1: walking a hot dog on a yeah, leash. Yeah,
2: because he, uh, his character in that show is David Red Shoe Covney. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So, so, you don't know that it isn't.
1: So, Dan, <laughs> you wanted to say something about Mickey, our
0: downtrodden hero. No, all I wanted to say was, like, he's got a great head of hair. <laughs> his wife has no sympathy for him in this eviction process. Like She blames him. She's she a blames loser. blames him. Yeah. But, well, this is just, like, this is what I wanted to say. Everybody in Mickey's life appears to blame him for his misfortune. Yeah. His- now, we don't know whether he... He deserves that. There's no backstory, and but we
1: know that at least at one point he was financially supporting his brother and his brother's, which wife. we find out later. Yeah. At first, we see-, see him as just like a loser, his father, his, his brother who seems to be allergic to shirts. <laughs> oh boy!
0: And if there's one guy who should be wearing a shirt, it's this guy. I've never like I've like this might be a harsh indictment of Hollywood's beauty standards, but I've never seen. As big a pot belly in a film. <laughs> I mean, that was not a pot belly. It yeah, <laughs> yeah. was a cauldron belly. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> but it
0: was barrel chested and that
2: barrel was bulging. It was a be- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. botulism you barrel. You could have was... hollowed
1: out that barrel chest and put it on you because you're poor and you lost everything in the stock market crash. The
2: casting notes say toad-like. <laughs> okay.
3: <laughs> now I feel like we've gone too far. <laughs>
2: Yeah. The so the thing is, 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 is that
3: we're looking for a we're
1: looking for a middle aged man actor for this role. <laughs> Description: uh, If the if the the lead boss bad guy from Super Mario Two was a person, <laughs>
0: <laughs> sort of a King Hippo type.
3: <laughs> okay, we're don't going too far. Okay, He's had a long acting career.
2: The uh, and like his wife. She says, you know, your son's never going to grow up to be like you, which is like, no shit, he's already fully grown. She's going to leave him and not share the circus earnings of her (laughs) giant baby baby man.
1: (laughs) Uh, So the only place Mickey can find solace is at Alfie's, Paul Sorvino's bar, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. where the only other uh, customers (laughs) seem to be Dominique Swain as...
0: As girl who... Just stands in front of the jukebox h- all the time. As hussy
1: number one. Who, she's Michael Madsen's girlfriend, I guess. I guess. Michael Madsen, who's playing the part of Low Life Bag, and Daniel Baldwin, who is playing the most anti-Semitic character yeah. I've seen in any lo- movies that's not about World War II or, or about skinheads <laughs> in years. When
2: you're watching one of these cash grab performances, you're assuming like they're in and out, they're just doing it for the bucks, but it feels like Daniel Baldwin's like, okay, sure, yeah. What yeah. do you want me to say? I'll call, say that for money. Call Jewish people what, what lampshades? That's he, insane. at one point.
1: He is. He talks about how uh, he says what well, comes between Monday and Wednesday, Jews' day. That's when they take everything from you. These Jews own it, running the banks, stealing everything from us. And it's like, wow. He throws the K word around a bunch of times. And it's, it's like,
0: little, like I don't even rem- like. I don't even remember, like, I maybe it's just because they don't hang out with, like, a bunch of anti-Semites in
1: bars, but I don't you
0: remember. You haven't lived,
1: man. <laughs> I don't
0: remember, like, the financial crisis being blamed specifically on, like, the Jewish people. I mean,
1: I'm sure I'm sure anti-Semites did. Yeah. There were a lot of Jewish people involved with in those companies. I mean, L- Lehman Brothers is a Jewish name,
2: you know, not yeah. brothers. Yeah, I mean, Everyone mean anti-Semitic people blamed the delay of the video game No Man's Sky on the Jewish people. All right. <laughs>
1: But it's yeah, but up. that was
2: because uh because the Domanskywitz
1: family sued them <laughs> sure. for a piece of the action. But it's <laughs> it comes out of nowhere and it's like, Wait, I thought this movie was gonna be about the financial crisis i didn't know it was going to be about racism yeah and daniel baldwin really throws himself into this anti-semitic part it's it's very weird and And he
2: looks enough like alec baldwin that if you kind of squint your eyes a little bit you could imagine alec baldwin saying Mm, yeah
1: and and like i don't think the believer had this much open
0: (laughs) anti-semitism in it i'd also like to point out that michael madsen and daniel baldwin are wearing the same shirts in two successive scenes that are supposed to take place on different days. Yeah, yeah but that's they, they, why
2: they're super low lives,
1: dude. <laughs> yeah, they only have two shirts. You know why? Because mm-hmm. the like, Jews took like the other Charlie ones. Brown. Jewish tailors won't charge charging too much for shirts.
2: Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So also that scene featured Dominic Swain. Uh, Dominique Swain playing the jukebox. We'd seen her earlier in a scene where she, she had park bench. super weird interactions. Throwing herself at Jimmy Valenti at one point. And yeah. so
1: Jimmy Valenti is driving down the street. He gets out and he accidentally bumps into Mickey mm-hmm. and knocks him down. Once he again, does, their
2: paths cross.
1: Yeah, it's like a Dickens novel. And yeah. so he helps him up. Hey, man, you okay? You look like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders. All right, we'll be good. Thus establishing. He cares about everybody he sees. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah, such yeah. a sweet man. He's got such an open well, heart.
0: That and like in his business uh uh meeting, he's like very keen on telling the people like whatever charity we give to, I want to make sure that the money goes to the actual people, not the administrative eighty costs. to ninety
1: percent. And the yeah. guy who's handling the charity just keeps saying, I know that's how you roll, Jimmy. So that's yeah, that's <laughs> the thing I took care of it. Yeah. I know that I know how you roll, so and it is like a He's you know, trying that out. It's like you an old like,
2: I'm going to try and be a little hipper, and maybe Jimmy will recognize that. I like this new thing that kids are saying, how you roll. Because mm-hmm. it's like, that's, you know what? I like a
3: good roll.
1: Yeah, sometimes, yeah, Sometimes, yeah. let me just be honest. Like, t- true confessions here. I'm mean, like, okay, Father, I've sinned. When I go to the restaurant, sometimes what I'm really looking forward to is the roll. <laughs> Not even the main course. Or the dessert. It's crazy, I know, but that's just how I roll. I'm going to use it in the meeting tomorrow, okay, honey? And his wife is like, go to bed. It's 3 in the morning. Please stop. Stop talking about (laughs) rolls every night with the rolls. This
3: will be the one time in the movie that a woman is justifiably angry at the man. (laughs) Let me go to
1: bed. Stop talking about rolls. So he's just a sweetheart. He's just a honey pie. And long story short, they meet at their... uh, Mickey uh, stays with his brother... (laughs) And his brother's (laughs) wife says, I want that loser out of my fucking house. He's a
2: fucking loser. You're a fucking loser. He's a piece of shit. This is in a great scene in a bedroom where (laughs) that's where we're introduced to the idea that this movie's (laughs) like, these characters are just not going to wear very many clothes. (laughs) No. Get used to it, buddy. The brother,
1: who's an older gentleman, is just sitting there in almost no clothes. And so the next day he says, you got to leave. She doesn't want you here. And Mickey's like, I supported you for two years. Now you're throwing me out. And, uh... So he's got no choice. The only people who care about him are Michael Madison and Daniel Baldwin. What,
2: what? Why did they? Why was the brother character shirtless in that scene? Uh, this is the morning. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't just toss one on. I mean, if you're going to be throwing somebody out, like you're going to have that kind of hard conversation, you don't want to like throw something. I don't over. know.
0: Sometimes when I will go over to your house, you're
2: wandering around in your underwear. Yeah, but that's. I guess that's the same thing. I, it's a power play. Se- like you want to show off. You want to be like. Who's who's the big guy around it's, here? Well,
1: it's an intimidation technique. Yeah, the way yeah. like Lyndon Johnson would call people into the bathroom with him. You'd think that would put him in the shameful position. No, no, no. He's he's making you feel uncomfortable. Mm. So what his brother Joe is saying is, Hey, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is this is me naked to the world. And you know what? That should make me vulnerable, but it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with my body. All of it. You're the one who's not comfortable with it. Shame on you. Get out of my house because my wife told me you have yeah. to leave.
0: But his sister-in-law is another person calling Mickey a loser. We also get Mickey's mom calling him a loser. He goes to
1: his mom. he goes to a bingo parlor where his mom, Margot Kidder, yeah, is playing bingo with Doris Roberts, and yep. he asks for her for help and she refuses. Doris Roberts has a heartbreaking monologue about how her son died of heroin. Died of suicide after a heroin addiction, which he mm-hmm. repeats twice: once with Margot Kidder out of the room, and once with her bag in the room. And uh, but he, so he's got nowhere to turn except these two anti-Semites. He joins their group. He doesn't get his his head totally shaved, but it
4: gets. It's a buzz really cut.
2: great. It's this great transformative moment mm-hmm. where we are greeted to flashbacks to scenes from earlier in the oh, movie, just yeah, over yeah, and over. I forgot like about that. Sidney
1: <laughs> Lumet, uh, pawnbroker, <laughs> the devil when no, the devil. Uh, what's the devil knows you're dead what was that the before movie? the devil before, knows you're dead. before the devil knows your dead style where it's just like pop pop shots from the past shots from it's, the past but
0: it's like they're all like these gauzy like it's like a 19 early 90s like r&b music well because that's
1: what the music is when it comes <laughs> in Then there's some kind of love song, right? Yeah, I mean, most of the The love song from No Deposit. The love theme from No Deposit. It it
2: sounds like the kind of love song you would hear in an 80s action movie that's clearly like kind of from the 50s or 60s. And you're like, I guess cool people listen to this when they're like about to hook up. (laughs) But he's getting his head shaved and a tattoo put on his neck. Yeah, they call a tattoo artist and for some reason. Into the bar. bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's got to be against health code.
1: I would have to assume so. I mean, there's blood coming out of his body mm-hmm. in a place that people are ingesting drinks. So Paul Sorvino, he already lets people smoke in there. He doesn't care about he the rules. He doesn't care.
2: Well, that's the thing. He's got to. He's got to keep his regulars happy.
1: Yeah, and so they instantly go. He instantly goes from just a normal guy down on his luck to a skinhead who is robbing a bank with Michael Madsen and Daniel Baldwin. Mm-hmm. That bank. Full of Jewish people yep yeah. and very it's Jewish
2: very clearly in the uh in like the conference center of a large or to midsize hotel
1: ironically, this movie that was trying to make a stance against anti-Semitism was doing something anti-Semitic itself by taking up a ballroom that should have had a bar mitzvah in it
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> some some unlucky Toronto Jewish boy had to have his bar mitzvah <laughs> at the synagogue because mm-hmm. they couldn't couldn't rent the event space at the local Hilton honors Hotel I'm guessing yeah.
0: Uh, I'm very mixed up about what the movie's feelings about the Jewish people are. Like, uh,
1: because, th- they, because they're only shown in, in Banks?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we're supposed to not sympathize with the anti-Semitic talk, but at the same time, it's not really refuted particularly
1: strongly either. Well, I feel like the movie doesn't really need to refute that. I guess I don't think the movie needs to show a Jewish person being great so that the audience is like, "Oh, Daniel Baldwin was wrong about but that." But like, Jews aren't evil. Our hero doesn't even turn around. He's just like, at
0: the end of the movie, he's just like, "I want to go home. I, I don't. You know, it's wrong he's to a shoot moron. people." <laughs> yeah, it is
1: wrong. Are you and you disagree with the message? It's wrong to shoot
0: people. <laughs> well, I I don't think that it's particularly more wrong to shoot one type of person than another type oh, of person. Oh, all lives matter.
1: Heard it here first. Wow. Wow, Dan. Wow, dude. Oh my God! Just
2: rewind the (laughs) tape. You know what? Delete it. Yeah, you've shown your true colors. The all right. So this is where the confluence of events leads us to the ultimate showdown because Jimmy (laughs) Valenti has shown up to the bank to pick up his eight million dollars and or sign just to sign
1: the papers because apparently that's the thing you have to do now.
2: Eric Roberts comes out from behind the desk, happy as a clam, jittery as hell, and he is walking like a man with one and a half legs. That was that CBS
1: sitcom, right? One and a half legs? (laughs) Yeah. uh, But that's when our villains walk in, shoot a security guard in the head instantly. Immediately. Yeah, immediately. And
2: actually, it looks like a pretty decent uh, use of special effects. Yeah, that was a pretty good special effect. And uh, they also wrap a giant uh, length of chain around the doors, which we later see uh, does not prevent people when from the, opening the door when the door is open from the outside later, the chain falls off harmlessly, it sloughs off like a snake skin. Now we didn't mention that there's
1: also two policemen who I think are both oh, named yeah. Tony mm-hmm. who are called are called <laughs> Introduced in by, for no particular reason called in by police chief Peter Coyote, mm-hmm. who tells them in his Ken Burns tones that he knows they've been working really hard. He needs them to work another shift, even though they, they're owed a day off. They've been working on the Fox case for for days, but the media's howling down his throat, and there's so much stuff going on in the city that he needs them to work two more days. This is in his office in the police station that, as Stuart mentioned, also has a business group of some kind sharing the office, yep. and there's a poster in the in the hallway that seems to be like either an ad or an employee of the month or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And
2: judging by their accents, these two uh, detectives just recently tra- uh, transferred from Saskatchewan.
1: Oh, everyone in the movie, <laughs> except for the name stars, is very much Brooklyn by way of Canada. Yeah, Yeah. And... Are, it's, it's, they're uh, like, what's the matter, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was walking a boot here. Anyway, uh but that's besides what... So they're on... they These guys take hostages at the bank. They especially want, don't like that the Jewish people are there. But then the anti-Semitic stuff kind of takes a back seat. It doesn't really a- appear that Well,
2: much. First, I mean, the, first, the criminals uh, knock Eric Roberts down and kick him a bunch. And each time they hit him... <laughs> <laughs> they use foley effects of like eggs breaking. It's the <laughs> craziest thing it's, I've seen in a real movie. It's like
1: he's got empty like he he took a bunch of eggs and t- pulled the yolk out without breaking the shell and then stuffed it all in his pants. <laughs> so that each kick is like <laughs> crunch. <laughs> crunch.
0: And uh I mean there was still like a little Jewish stuff though when like uh our hero or our uh, the Frank D'Angelo, right? That's his name. Yeah, hero, Jimmy yeah. Volante, Yeah, uh, he uh gets shot by uh one of the guys when he's trying to defend a young girl and. The, the granddaughter, Mickey.
2: I'm assuming, or possibly daughter. I don't know yeah. what kind of logic this movie is. Of Robert Loggia. Of Robert Loggia, but, who is playing a Holocaust survivor. But, <laughs> but Mickey's like,
0: what? He's not a Jew?
1: He's
0: <laughs> like, 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 we're here to shoot Jewish people. <laughs> no, that's
1: right. I forgot about that. No, so yeah, there. Robert Loggia, that's right. He goes, I've seen the devil. You're nothing. And he rolls up his sleeve. He's got numbers tattooed on his arm. He's a survivor. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's... Better or worse that he does not attempt to do any sort of Eastern European accent. Mm-hmm. He's he's apparently a... Maybe he came over as a kid or a teenager and he worked really hard to get his accent away yeah. because he was so traumatized by his time in the camps. But this... I don't know, he seems
2: pretty comfortable with himself and... Uh, kind of self-assured, like I don't feel like he would try and hide anything.
1: I guess. Well, I mean, there's I there's don't no know.
2: obfuscation with Robert. I mean, Lose's but the confidence may
1: come from the fact that he's like I recreated myself in my life, and I didn't let that tragedy define me. Because mm-hmm. if I've learned anything from the from meeting Holocaust survivors, it's that one, the Holocaust was terrible, and two, <laughs> yeah. and okay. either I mean, there's there's this is going to sound terrible. There's really mm-hmm. there's two types: those who never want to talk about, and those who want to talk about nothing else. Okay. And there's two. There are people who are shattered by it mm-hmm. and then there are survivors who kind of seem to take confidence in a way from it that like i survived the worst possible thing that could ever happen to a person and that didn't destroy me so i can handle anything and so like he's the second type i guess and that uh he's like you know what i'm not gonna let this bank robbery get to me <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> i stared down hitler yeah um, yeah, yeah. Uh, michael madsen and one of the baldwins are not gonna put me down and they punch him, and he goes, you punch like a girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. And later he gets the best line in the movie. Uh, after everything's been taken care of, he goes... Uh, for, oh, so Frank D'Angelo gets shot. He recognizes that, hey, this is the guy I picked up off the sidewalk before. Uh-huh. And he, No, no. And he, the guy goes, hey, he helped me. I'm going to take him in another room. They have a little heart-to-heart. Frank D'Angelo says, I guess, the moral of the movie.
2: And that's it's the nice moment- to be great, but it's great to be nice. <laughs> but that's the yeah. moment when the other bank robbers are like... Oh, yeah, our possibly susceptible to coercion friend. <laughs> we are able to turn to our cause in <laughs> under a day. Yeah, let's let him go in the other room with that incredibly handsome and charismatic wounded man. Yeah,
1: uh, I mean, the handsome part. Uh, <laughs>
2: Super the- tall and wealthy. But I also just wonder what they're doing out there. Just like, all right, well, you go in the back for a while. We'll just keep standing here with our gun. Especially
1: because they don't seem to want money. But then by this point, the police
2: are surrounding the bank. Yeah. and There's also- a massive crowd forming... <laughs> Between the bank and the expansive tree line of downtown Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, downtown Brooklyn really seems to have a lot of wooded highway access. It was interesting enough that it was in that crowd scene that I finally was like, oh, there's a non-white person in Brooklyn, apparently. Because <laughs> the, fir- uh, the first people of color showed up.
0: And meanwhile, we're getting a lot of... Uh... News reports from uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Frank uh, Ambrosio,
1: I think it was. <laughs> yeah, Frank, Frank Ambrosio. Ambrosio, Ambrosio. Uh, and his and his report it's on the Frank
2: Ambrosio to his friends. And,
1: yeah, and his his reporter on the scene, which his name I think was Fred Lepko. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matthew Lesko.
1: And this is a movie where. We see everything that's happening. We know the backstory of these characters. It cuts to a news break, and we watch, for a while, for like three minutes, a reporter explain that he doesn't really know what's going on with the situation. And we don't even see we're the just, reporter's we, face, which is realistic,
0: but we don't need to see that in a movie. We're
3: watching the anchor
1: just listening to it, and it's like, did they want the audience to jump in and fill in the reporter on what's going on? or?
0: Yeah, meanwhile, uh, all of the uh, people in uh, Mickey's life are watching this from tra- tragedy unfold on his television. wife sees
1: it at the fancy tea room where she's mm-hmm. meeting her friend. His not mom, Mickey's wife, not Mickey's, Mickey's wife, wife oh, no, is sorry. at the circus with the giant baby. <laughs> Mickey's wife is not interested. Uh, no, uh, Frank's wife, Frank's sees wife sees it. Sees it. Mickey's mom sees it. Mm-hmm. Mickey's brother sees it, which finally gives him the strength to stand up oh. to his wife in the best
4: scene yeah, in the movie. He, he
1: delivers the best line. <laughs> I've said earlier, Robert Loja, the best line, I was wrong. <laughs> Joe has the best line. His 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 wife goes, your, your loser brother's robbing a bank. And she already said, like, gay, go get me some more fucking vodka. If you can handle that, you loser. <laughs> That's how she talks to him all the time. And he goes, what? My brother is in trouble robbing a bank? And, uh, Stuart, do you want to deliver his, his classic line? I think line? Dan wants to deliver it. Dan, I think.
0: I don't know if I remember it exactly, but it was something like, I sold out my brother for Pussy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you're a cunt. You're a that's floating what, what he that's says. The, after
2: he fucking spikes the vodka bottle yeah. on the ground, she's like, "Hey, Dan, you might want to you might
1: want to do a uh, an explicit language, a special warning on this, yeah, because that that word, the c word, it is one be, I don't like to say. But, it but is, it's hilarious. It's, in this it is escalates the movie suddenly to a like it goes from like sixty to hundred. <laughs> you're
3: like, wait, what did he just
2: say? <laughs> it would be terrible if some plucky listener took an audio clip of Dan saying that. No. And I don't know. Turned it into something like a ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy!
1: And uh, <laughs> and so the next time we see Joe, he's talking to a policeman again in the in the police station slash mm-hmm. hotel restaurant, and he's he's establishing what we already know that his brother lost everything he lost his house and the cop is like wait he lost his house Mm -hmm. he lost his wife his his baby his house so they took his house away he lost his house (laughs) his house he (laughs) lost it they lost his house wait where he lives with his family (laughs) it's like they spent the phrase he lost his house is spoken so many times but back to the bank
2: robbery so to make a long story short so that but that that conversation they're having in that breakfast nook in that in that booth that they're sharing It's apparently the hot box in the police department. The that scene clearly shows this detective sitting down with the brother and he's like, oh, wow, your brother's a bad guy. And then by the end of it, he's like, he lost his house. No, he's clearly a hero. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. He turns around. Meanwhile, and I think that same policeman is also supposed to be at the bank at the exact same time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the SWAT they're team they're is next there. door to each other. Uh, the bank the police station. Makes yeah.
2: sense. You want to put the bank somewhere safe. And the tea room is next door to that. <laughs> it's New York's really a small and town. Alfie's Bar is right right next to it. Just because that's Brooklyn, neighborhood story. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that's true. What neighborhood of Brooklyn was this, by the way?
2: Uh, it's... Uh, You're going to say Borough Park, aren't you? It's...
0: Whoosh doesn't exist.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Dragon Wick. Yeah. Uh, so... Make a long story short about the, the heist, because the heist, the hostage situation is not actually that interesting, although it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But shooting happens, uh, the guy, Mickey gets shot, Frank has already been shot through the shoulder, so, uh, a guy who's set, who it turns out is... Frank just,
2: D'Angelo playing Jimmy Villain.
1: Oh, sorry, Jimmy is right, yeah. There's so, it's so hard to tell him apart. Yeah. He's already established yeah, his bona fides.
2: Where one, one begins
1: and one ends. His bona fides is a great man, because Mickey le- says, hey, let him go, you can go. And he goes, I could go but my balls wouldn't come along for the ride or something like that. He wouldn't be a man if he walked out of that situation. Yeah. And so at the last moment, even though he's been shot in the shoulder, he uses that hand to pick up a gun and shoot the two robbers after they've already shot
2: Make Yeah, there's a plainclothes cop there that tries to intercede and uh, Frank D'Angelo's character pulls him down so that he doesn't get shot and then kills both bank robbers.
1: Now, not since The Taking of Pelham 123, my favorite movie, has there been a less effective undercover cop. Who <laughs> just jumps out? I'm a cop, and then immediately gets either shot or pulled to the ground. Frank Dian- uh, Jimmy Valenti slash Frank D'Angelo is a saint, is a hero. Robert Loja delivers what I thought was the first best line until I remember Joe's argument with his wife. The best, second best line in the movie, which is, bring a bring a stretcher for this good man.
3: Get garbage bags for these pieces of shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they the hospital beds are wheeled out, and then. Everyone seems to
0: have forgotten that Mickey was part of the the hostage situation by this time too. Because they're like, that's how they pitch it, though. Like they like say, literally, they're like, these two guys held us hostage, and they like, I'm like, what? What do you mean, these two guys? There was a third man.
1: The third man, yes, there is. The third (laughs) score right here. Another favorite of mine. Uh, Who knows? Because the more important thing is that these guys, who both have been shot, they both need medical attention. Their stretchers are allowed to sit right outside the entrance of the bank while every character they know rushes through the police line and has a moment with them. (laughs) Yeah. They they allow Paul Servino, his bartender... <laughs>
4: to come to up, have, up and yeah. have a little and bedside
1: moment with him. not his them. mom, but his mom's friend from the bingo parlor runs up to have a moment with him and tell him she loves
0: him. Margot Kidder was in some bushes somewhere. She couldn't be bothered. <laughs> oh. Paul Sorvino sees you, Kitter. The, <laughs> he sees lady. the
2: news story with those three guys robbing just, the bank. He was just kidding, Margot Kidder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, sorry, sorry. So Paul Sorvino sees this news story of these three guys having robbed the bank, and he goes, <laughs> you can see that look on his face where he's like, oh shit, they're my only customers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet a curry favor with the
2: only guy <laughs> left. the only survivor. Is this, otherwise,
1: it's just me and Dominique Swain. I'm sorry, yep. like Dominique
2: Swain. Yep, who's playing some weird song in the jukebox and dancing along.
1: Now, uh, also, this is all while uh, Frank D'Angelo's cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah is playing oh, yeah. and uh, a... A parade is, of Orthodox Jews walk out of the bank, I assume, thanking <laughs> God that a man like Jimmy Valenti was created.
2: And it's thanks to Watchmen that this is the second worst use of that song <laughs> in a movie.
1: <laughs> uh, and after that, uh, that's pretty much uh, it. There's, right? there's, no, I was gonna, there's no coda or anything.
0: Uh, oh, oh I, I remember what it was. Uh, Jimmy, like as he's being wheeled out, tells Eric Roberts to pay off that he's gonna pay off right. Mickey's uh, mortgage, And it's just like,
2: well, that's a nice gesture, but Mickey's clearly going to jail
0: for a very long time. And yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I mean, know he why. suggested
2: that he, he'll also pay for his legal fees, but that doesn't, that's not gonna help the fact that, like, he still doesn't have a job, he still. I mean, is pretty easily convinced into doing bad things. Like, yeah. he has a neck tattoo now. Like, that doesn't go away. That's permanent, dude. I, I mean, you can get those removed. I assume Jimmy's going to pay that, that bill also. He's going to pay to get his he's, neck tattoo removed? He's going to adopt him. He's, gonna, he's Now and he's at, his ward.
1: At that point, he's just going to be... Uh, we already seen that Jimmy has, like, a driver slash gopher who's obsessed with keeping Jimmy's car clean. And when... J- J- he goes up to him he says I apologize I didn't have a chance to clean the car I expected him to just pull out his sword and commit seppuku right there in front of yeah. him he is so apologetic
2: because I well guess- and he is wearing he is wearing a ponytail so you <laughs> assume that he's way into Highlander the movie
1: <laughs> you have to assume like Jimmy Valenti is such a living saint people love him so much that when they fail him even in the slightest it hurts them hurt. it hurts them Yeah, all it hurts their him.
2: misdeeds are reflected upon them like the penance stare
1: They've, yeah, yeah, like Ghost Rider. Uh, so they, they, uh, when he's told that he has to go sign for this loan and he goes to – not loan, this payment, and he goes to his office, they go, oh, yeah, these new rules, payroll should have dealt with it, but they didn't. He goes, hey, everyone makes mistakes. Don't yell at payroll about it. Don't make them feel bad. We'll just send out a memo saying these are the rules now. Tell them about my charity. So, like, that's he's just the su- the sweetest boss in the world. Mm-hmm. And the, the moral of the story is that Frank D'Angelo, by extension, must be a great man. And the moral of the story is you should
2: go out and watch this movie. Mm. Just watch it. If you want to watch this crazy passion project that is a love letter to himself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the movie ends with a bunch of uh, slow-mo, black-and-white sequence, uh, shots of all the characters, all the big stars that we've he seen in almost the movie. Went,
1: he may have gone out of his way to find the least flattering picture of almost all of them. Eric Roberts's is, is him, like, crying with blood dripping out of his nose. <laughs> yeah, crawling
2: around the, uh, on the floor, mourning the loss of his testicles. <laughs> Whereas the picture of Frank D'Angelo in there is beatific almost. Oh, Like, yes. Peter Paul Rubens painted this shit. <laughs>
0: Uh Yeah, so we should do our final judgments about this movie, whether it's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of like. Is there any doubt? Stu, I feel like you. This
2: is a good, great movie. <laughs> this is a movie where the financier of the movie, the writer, director, star, not only plays this awesome businessman, but he also, I think, gets approached while on a stretcher having been shot by the chief of police who basically is like, you want the key to the city, and you can be chief of police if you want, because you're the best shot I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great.
1: And he he acts like a gangster, dresses like a gangster. No, turns out, he's the best of us.
2: You start watching this movie, and you're like, okay, this is pretty slow. And, it, you know, it takes a little bit of time before it starts cooking. Well, but, that's, oh, boy. That's that, that, that first
0: five minutes of info dump. That's something that we didn't mention, is that the movie takes... A really long time to set up everything before like the hostage situation, and then the hostage situation like starts and is resolved in like half an hour. Oh yeah. boy,
2: when that it, pot gets boiling, yum yum
0: yum!
1: <laughs> and this is an eighty-minute <laughs> movie, right? Yeah, that's the other thing we should mention. Go watch this
2: movie. Book block you out. You have eighty minute. minutes. Bo- I'm sure. Block what are you up out to? an
1: hour and a half for it, and then spend the last ten minutes masturbating in joy that such a thing exists <laughs> as this h- weird uh, vanity
0: project. Yeah, no, I I think this is a good, bad movie. The one thing that, like, holds me back a little bit is, like, the weird anti-Semitism of the movie. Like, it feels like an off note in the same way that, like, there are a lot of, I feel like, good, bad, or trashy movies out there that, like, throw in a rape scene and you're like, why is this in yeah, here? this
1: ruined the movie. But uh, But for the most part, it's not... Enough to like be like, I find it's just another, it's just another weirdo thread in the crazy quilt that is yeah. this film. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm saying this, I'm Jewish. It's okay for you to watch this. Movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, I I'm guess giving you, a, anyone he's the who's,
2: gatekeeper here, Dan.
1: Anyone who's not Jewish, I'm giving you official permission. <laughs>
0: okay. So, no
1: deposit.
0: Uh, You were looking at the DVD again to make sure that that was the right name. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's kind of
2: hard to remember because it has nothing to do with it. What's the name of the soundtrack? The soundtrack has a different name. Look to the Stars or something? Uh, Look into the Stars. Look into the the Stars. stars. Which is a good way to go blind. Yeah, but it's also like if you look at the cover of the box, it's just covered in stars.
4: Mugs, shirts, stickers,
0: patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch. MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Uh,
2: next up, we uh, do a few... Have you seen this show before? Ads. You think after oh, okay. you know, I I didn't bring it up in August, even though I should have. But August marked the nine-year anniversary of this stupid what? podcast. Yikes!
1: I wasn't here for all of that time, but I'm still going to take credit for it. Mm-hmm. You were there for most of it, like eight and a half years. least. Yeah. some of it. That's crazy. <laughs> You know,
2: that's a a popular anniversary to celebrate
1: nine years. Yep. (laughs) We should get each other anniversary gifts, though. That'd be nice. We've been doing this podcast longer than either Stuart or I have been married. Yeah. We've been doing this podcast longer than Dan at this point.
0: Wait, no, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) It's not actually
1: true. Uh, We've been, we will will reach that point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's longer than uh, what? Barack Obama's been president. That's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a different nation when we started this.
1: <laughs> people needed to laugh. They
4: needed yeah, yeah. to
1: laugh. hmm That's oh, a crazy okay. amount of time to be what, doing this. What year
2: was that? 2007 was when 2007. a little movie called Stealth <laughs> graced my DVD player in my, uh, the bedroom mm-hmm. in the apartment I shared with two other people. <laughs>
0: and I stuffed a single rock band microphone and
2: a homemade shock absorber that I made from putting some rubber bands. Oh, that's weird because everyone has commented that those early episodes had amazing sound it's quality. It's uh, great. So I revisit them so often.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to the early episodes, guys. So many memories. Yeah, I'm so such that's,
1: an a asshole long, back that's a long then. time. <laughs> this is the longest I've done almost anything,
2: uh, except live. Okay, now that I've juiced us up, okay. what's the next stage of this game? Ads. Uh, which is to say, pay the piper
0: mm-hmm. that the flop. Years
1: don't come cheap.
0: Yeah, the flop house uh, is supported by Squarespace, the simplest way to create a compelling website. From the strange to the downright bizarre, great stories define us. You should tell yours with simple tools and templates. Squarespace helps you capture your story with a captivating website.
1: Now, Dan. I got a question about squarespace okay <laughs> I've got an idea for a website I kind of mentioned <laughs> no way, it earlier I'm surprised. It's called www.teenage mutant dot and it's these new crazy characters they're to- the toilets they're okay. also teenagers who are mutants and they're ninjas and I want I figured you know what don't bother with TV. TV's broken. N- thanks to, uh, you know, people are cutting cords left and right. Yeah. And they're streaming stuff they now. You shouldn't cut those cords. I mean, like, the cords aren't the problem. You gotta cut the cord. When, yeah, so of course. the baby's born. <laughs> okay. You can't just leave it attached. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. That's nuts. You wanna wait till the last jolts of blood are pumped through that cord oh because that's the super strength blood. Mm-hmm. Then you cut the shit out of that thing. Yep. Right. You
2: put on that Freddy glove <laughs> and you go <laughs> That's how they do. You it. got a, it's a girl bitch.
3: <laughs> Welcome wow. to the world bitch. <laughs> I could say that as my kid. Actually that makes it even worse. It's <laughs> crazier. What's uh, he
1: doing? <laughs> I just glad that Freddy settled down and started a family, <laughs> Who is although he, with? he is a
2: child molester so that's not great. <laughs> a child murderer, right?
1: Don't they But that's why they burned his house down, Yeah, right? I guess you're right. Maybe he's just a child murderer. So what what? you're saying is I'm sorry, Freddie. You're merely a child murderer. I apologize. (laughs) Uh but it's called and so anyway, I want to just get on the web and start streaming these original animated web series about these ninja toilets. Can Squarespace help me with that kind of site? Uh it certainly can. And that's all I have to say about that. Will it make the site look the same on like a phone or on a desktop or on a laptop or on an iPad?
0: It scales to different devices, it, it, yeah, it's got what you call uh, responsive design.
2: That's great. That's great. And what's the, how do they uh, How do they support our show and support Squarespace? Uh, well, you can start
0: your free trial today by visiting squarespace.com slash flop.
2: You should Squarespace. So you're saying you're going to hide, uh, you're going to have like the bios of these ninja turlets available <laughs> for anybody. But you're going to hide all the videos, the hot vids no, no, behind no, no, a paywall, no, no, right? No, 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 no. Because you don't want pe- anybody to just no, see that shit.
1: Information wants to be free, and there's no better information than toilets
2: fighting crime. Okay, with ninja so weapons. So it's basically You're going to make money based on ads.
1: It's either going to be it's going to be ad supported, and also internet equals cash, dollar signs. Okay. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how to monetize this idea. I mean, the money's just going to come flowing in, but mostly, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah and you'll yeah.
2: take a big bag and write a dollar sign on it to catch it's all the money. So I know what's in it. Yeah, yeah. Put it right next to your disk drive for when the money squirts out. <laughs> the yeah. flop house is also. <laughs> <laughs> the flophouse is also
0: supported in part by Mac Weldon, uh, the clothing company.: Angus
1: Mac Weldon.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Mac <laughs> Weldon I'll tell you what. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now.
1: Uh, that's wrong, because I'm wearing Mac Weldon right now. Really? Yeah. My, I, this is to tell the truth. My Mac Weldon underpants, first in the rotation, right off the bat. Okay, every time. I always go through them, and then I go through my lesser Hanes, or what have you underpants. Mm-hmm. Now, they're comfortable. They're roomy. They're not they're too roomy. I'm, croomy? I, they're croomy, which is a word you just made up that I don't know what it means. But comfortable and roomy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. they're super yeah. Mm-hmm. that's When so, oh, you think Mac
1: Weldon, think croomy. With <laughs> the creamy center. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a croissant. But they are super comfortable underpants.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they make uh, make all your business look great. Yeah,
0: what were you going to say, Dan? Well, Mac Weldon wants you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it. And they will refund you, no question asked. No questions asked, even.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One, multiple well, questions, etc. Just making et it,
3: it better each time.
2: <laughs> you know, as I have gotten older, guys, uh, when I was a young man, I just put whatever I wanted on my undercarriage. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, Sometimes I've Sometimes hot dog buns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in a pinch. <laughs> it's what I call it when I pinch my business with a hot dog bun. I don't
4: uh, know about that. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing. Look it up on the internet. The But what I was saying is, the uh, as I've gotten older, I don't mind spending a little bit extra bucks on the the stuff that keeps my business that you can't see on my underpants. Look, you only get Unless one. Unless you're Dan and you come over.
1: You only get one. Yeah. Take good care of it.
2: Body like, penis?
1: Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Unless you're that sideshow guy from the 20s who had three legs and two penises. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name. He was Italian. What do you make a face? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember and I can't
0: remember it. <laughs> uh, but Mac Weldon, uh, it's good for working out. It's good for going to work. It's good for going out dates. It's good for everyday life. It's just good, guys. And uh, if you go to MacWeldon.com, you can get 20% off using the promo code FLOP.
3: Perfect. Go so. buy them.
1: You will not be unsatisfied.
0: Thank you for your support.
2: And the, the now we got some Jumbotrons. Jumbotrons. <gorilla> Dan, punch that up. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So I got the first. Uh, no, I think Elliot's going to go first.
1: Oh, okay. I'll go first. This is a personal message. Mm-hmm. This is a message for Melissa Trujillo Mm -hmm. from Dylan Trujillo and parentheses her awesome little brother. It says, "Happy birthday! I know you'll love the gift of the peaches." Saying, "Happy birthday, Melissa! Happy birthday, birthday. Melissa! Happy birthday, Melissa!" Will Elliot sing a song? Maybe, "Happy birthday to you." I can sing it now because it's in the public domain. Turns out Sony never actually owns the copyright. They just stole money from a lot of people for decades. To you. Will Dan sigh? Will Stu crack a beer? Oh, shit.
3: <laughs> He's just got a bottle of Schweppes <laughs> over there. Uh, he
1: once he doesn't it? have a beer. Uh, you're the best, and you're welcome for showing... Y- oh, that didn't work. Uh, and you're welcome for showing you this great podcast. And oh, and you're welcome for showing you this great. Po- and well, I don't know anyway. So, in a way, oh no, it should be so you're welcome. Uh, oh, you know what? <laughs> oh boy, this is falling Dylan, apart. <laughs> Dylan, you got to put some <laughs> quotes in there, some commas. Now I know how to read it. And you're welcome for showing you this great podcast. So, in a way, I am also the best to the both of us. Seriously, I love you, and you're an amazing sister. Ra Rao, Dylan. So, happy uh, birthday, Melissa. That's so sweet, from a from a brother
0: to a sister. You never, you don't really see a lot of that uh, kind of sibling commitment. So.
1: I often forget to tell my sister happy birthday, and we share a birthday. Yeah, it is impossible for me to forget it.
2: So up next on the the old jumbotron, uh, we have what I can only assume is another <laughs> personal message. Uh, this message is for Helen. The message is from Jason, and the message reads as follows. <clears throat> Sup, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank that was you the very message, much. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, Helen, if you're out there, Jason says, Sup, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you'd like to tell someone, Sup over the yeah, yeah, jump over to maxfun.com and org max maximum fun.org. Don't go to maxfun.com. No,
1: no, it's porn. Go to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron. Yeah,
0: uh, somewhere in there. I believe so. I believe so. <laughs> But now, it's time for letters from listeners. You letter. write them, we read them. Time.
4: It's letters letter from time,
1: listeners. Letter. Time. For listeners. Yeah, it's a great song. Not really a song.
0: <laughs> it was sort of a call and response sort of, sort of it thing. It was
1: a thing, yeah. It was, it was a thing. That's the great thing about the word thing, is you can use it to describe stuff that doesn't really have a word. Uh, Yeah, as established earlier. Like, what are those things at the end of your shoelaces called? They're who called, is that guy covered called, in rocks? They're called aglets. Yeah. And Thing is the guy. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah. Uh,
0: So this first letter is from first name withheld, Robert, last name withheld. Hmm, that's the middle name. Who says... I assume that's James Robert Ryan Tolkien. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> as with most parents of preteen children... The house is our standard entertainment to listen to while shuttling the kids to their various basketball and (laughs) baseball events. Not this one, I hope. That's terrible. Uh, uh, The 13-year-old will last until the first sustained Elliot pun run, at which time the earphones are put on with an audible sigh. (laughs) Kids hate me. She must be paying closer attention than I thought, as the other day I was watching a movie, and she asked me if it was a bad, bad movie, a good, bad movie, or a movie I kind of liked. Stuart, as the resident cinephile... How long until this becomes the new
2: standard rating system for all movies, Dan? Uh, I give it another, what, we've been doing this nine years, nine so years. one more year. Ten okay. years is the uh, the rule.
4: Yeah. You,
2: we it's, have to. Yeah, that's what they have to do. your yeah. grandfather in it. So uh, call up the father of movies. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Edison? <laughs> yes. Call him up. Well, on the the year brothers.
1: <laughs> Oh, the ten-year grandfather you're talking about, Dan? Yeah.
0: your grandfather it's terrible uh dan my son would like to know when you're going to find the jersey devil look
3: oh that Uh, was a long time ago
1: yeah that's yeah i assume that's a reference to our ghost hunting video yeah that's not even a flop house thing yeah that was a video that we made for my old live show the primetime kalen
0: if you look up ghost hunters uh dan mccoy Elliot kalen You might come up with a a few uh, amusing Uh, YouTube videos. Very amateurish YouTube videos. Very slapdash videos that were put together for a live show. And so we're like, let's not put a lot of work into them. (laughs) Because they're going to be shown once and then that's it. Uh, But uh, yeah, the the search continues. Um, Elliot, as the resident comic book expert, what is your opinion on including real characters or other out-of-context references in your stories? Is there a difference between an Easter egg and a reference-slash-cameo that breaks you out of the comic-slash-movie-slash-TV show's world?
1: Yeah, there is. But it's one of those things like like obscenity. I know it when I see it. Mm. But it's hard for me to define. It's like uh, there are times when things can get a little too winky, and then it's like, all right, like I can't buy into the reality of this anymore. At a certain, I mean, Stan Lee's cameos in his movies kind of become that as they get more baroque you know mm-hmm. uh or if you're reading a comic book and there's clearly a scene where the creators of the comic are like having a conversation that can be fun for a panel but if it's a whole page forget about it but you're mm-hmm. talking to somebody who went, who wrote a series of one page bits where it's th- just starring wyatt senac and me mm-hmm. yeah I co-wrote with wyatt which have been republished in a book that's coming out from marvel called secret wars 2 which oh, is great. where they reprinted a bunch of their humor books and all my humor stuff is in there.
2: Yeah. I didn't know it existed until they sent me one in the mail. I prefer it when like Dave Sim shows up in a Cerebus book and he teaches us some real life lessons like <laughs> the Broads, am I right? <laughs> this movie that we watched today had a real Dave Sim
0: take <laughs> on women. Yeah. Uh and last question from this email House Cat, why did you not have a character in the Adventure Zone crossover? Was it a dispute about money or are you just too serious for D and D?
2: I'll have to ask him sometime. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time for Dean. I, I wouldn't say it's too serious. He just doesn't really truck with that nerd shit. You yeah, know he's what I mean? a little too cool. Yeah.
1: You know how some people are so cool that they can do nerdy stuff and still be cool?
2: He's even cooler than he's that. He's the next step. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it cycles back on itself.
0: He's busy uh, skateboarding, uh, having one of the uh, Frank D'Angelo uh, energy drinks. He, That's what he drinks it. now.
2: Yeah. Hey, do you guys ever fantasize about if Probably. some kid uh, is <laughs> yes. in like a Home Alone situation and he's got to scare off burglars, that he's going to use audio files of your podcast clips to scare the burglars away?
3: <laughs> Not really.
2: <laughs> okay. Like the,
0: your filthy animal bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my
2: classic Stuart Wellington filthy animal <laughs> bit from the Flophouse <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, no, I've never thought okay. about that. Uh, so this is from Michael, last name withheld, who writes, Recently I was stricken with a nasty stomach bug Ugh. to distract me from my nausea and to help cover up the sounds that come along with a nasty stomach bug. I downloaded a bunch of Flophouse episodes to comfort me as I pressed my face to the cold tile floor of the bathroom. <laughs> For once in Earth's history, Elliot's Poetic. singing actually soothed somebody. Oh, come on. Although Stewart's <laughs> talk of wormy boners did not help my queasiness. And with every mournful sigh from Dan, I thought... What the fuck are you so sad about? I'm dying here, you bastard. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) It was the virus talking. After after a rough couple of days, I realized I was going to live and indeed managed to stand on the bathroom bathroom scale to assess the damage. I looked down to find that in two days I had managed to lose seven pounds. What? Oh, he strikes again. That's right. It was clear this was no random illness. No, I'd been poisoned by that dastardly supervillain. Had he been my Uber driver the night before? Had he slipped some concoction into my food, posing as a line cook? And why had he picked me? Actually, I'm pretty fucking awesome, so that part was understandable. Just be careful out there, fellas. Seven pounds is back in
2: town. Also, what movies do you like to watch when you're sick? Hmm. Uh, My go-to has been, like lately, it's been The World's End. Okay, Uh, uh, It's one one. of those things I can just put on and like, I go to my happy place uh and sometimes uh lately i'll also throw in the guest oh Uh, the guest is a good one yeah i would put that on my list
0: i mean and likewise uh any 80s john carpenter which is basically the same thing as the guest yep i would watch when i'm sick
1: um i don't get sick very much my body just kind of rejects illness Mm -hmm. but uh the first time i had a kidney stone was pretty bad and I will remember watching From Beyond for the first time. And I was like, <laughs> around the point that uh, that Jeffrey Combs, as he's mutating because he's seen another dimension, yeah. uh, sucks the eyeball out of another man's head. I was like, this movie gets where I'm at right now. Yeah. And it really helped.
2: I uh, I suffered a pretty bad arm injury. I broke my humerus after having recently broken my radius. And let me oh, tell you. still pretty funny. It was not humorous. You beat me to the fucking joke, you asshole. Uh, uh, hello, Dan. High five awaiting you. Yeah, you so, earned that. Uh, I was stuck on the couch for a while, and of course my mom went out and rented me some tapes from the local B-buster. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, B-buster? And she fucking... Belly Buster. She knows me because... The top of that stack of tapes was Jeff Fahey's vehicle body parts. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But a guy who gets in a horrible car accident, which is how I'd broken my arm, and uh, gets a grafted arm of a serial killer on his body. And guess what? That arm wants to kill people.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Muscle memory. Yeah.
4: That's
0: right. (laughs) I'm good at one thing. Why won't they let me do it anymore? Murdering. Um... So, this is from Joe, last name with Eld, who writes, The Flophouse is my favorite podcast. Dan and Elliot, I love you guys too, but this question is for my favorite flopper, Stu. Well, thanks for okay. listening. Okay,
2: thanks Joe Montana, 49ers former quarterback.
0: <laughs> Stu, <laughs> mm-hmm. I recently brought, bought Netrunner on your recommendation from the We Are Your Friends app. <laughs> oh, okay. However, neither of my roommates, my usually str- my usual strategy game crew, will play with me. Weird. I was thinking of bringing it to my local board game night, but I don't want to be that guy that rolls into a game night, convinces someone to play with him, and then takes 20 minutes to figure out how ice works. Yep. How would you suggest I find someone who I can start playing my new game with? Thanks, Joe, last name with L. Tinder, probably,
2: right? Yeah, I think that's the best way if you're like, hey, you want to crank some fucking ice? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I would say... when it i don't I don't know exactly where you live but i know in new york that the, that if you go uh look for meetups for board games and you can look for meetups for uh the the card game in question you can also go on uh boardgamegeek.com and look at the forums um yeah or go on in this case uh the producer of that games uh community section and find meetups for that game that way that's what i would suggest mm mm-hmm. mhm We'll come down to Hinterlands Bar, the bar I just opened, and I'll play you, dude. In Brooklyn, New York, he will set it up on the bar. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about ice. Yeah. Both the beverage and the thing in the game. Beverage? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a, <laughs> like an icy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you'd put ice in your drink, but I, I don't. It's, it's I mean, I guess. I get the health big. department calls it a food at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that seems weird too,
1: but it makes more sense to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's why a bar counts as a restaurant for the health department. Just for the ice? Ice counts as food, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Go on, Dan. That's a
0: little insight into New York health department regulations.
1: Also, take care of your
0: regulars. Be a Paul Sorvino. (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Give them a free drink when they lose their house. Yep. Because you never know. They might go into a bank and start shooting
2: people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the seven pounds in this scenario. (laughs)
0: Uh, this uh last one, last letter. Final I assume letter.
1: is mostly for Elliot. Uh, you never know, dear Elliot. Oh, then probably. Oh, it starts out with the word Elliot, so. So yeah. d- when you read things, <laughs> you usually start in the middle and then just kind of like expand outward in concentric rings until you reach the beginning.
0: I saw the word well because it's a it was a hyperlink when I printed it out. Uh, uh, I saw President Lincoln underlined. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. so-
1: your eyes went to it. Because I find that's actually how I read menus a lot of the time.
2: Mm. And I have to force myself to go to Oh, you beginning. like zoom in on a specific, like if a word catches your eye, yeah. you're like, I don't know, like, I'm uh, like pork belly. Kale. I mean, a word is
1: almost always pork, steak, or chicken. Like it's, mm-hmm. and, and then, uh. You're and like, then I oh like... honey,
2: they have chicken. Give me a second, I'm reading. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I put my bookmark in the part of the menu I left off at. Mm-hmm. Take a nap, use the bathroom, come back. But I find I have to force myself to start at the beginning of the menu. The appetizers, usually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh... And then there's a twist a, a ending. Dessert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It turns out the chocolate fondue did it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert.
2: <laughs> What's, that? What's that cake doing upside down?
3: <laughs> we'll find out when we get there, honey. <laughs>
0: The molten chocolate cake burned him to death <laughs> <laughs> with its lava. Yep. Um, Dan McCoy, dessert detective. Elliot, have you ever been to President Lincoln's cottage at the Soldier's Home in D.C.? It's one of the most fascinating and underrated tourist attractions in D.C., far more interesting than Ford's Theater, a weird tourist scam hub. It's a modest house in Petworth, where Lincoln lived for much of his presidency. I'm
1: familiar with the Soldier's Home.
0: Commuting by horse to the White House. He wrote the Emancipation Proclamation there, and the tour gives a great overview of his personality and the personality of D.C. as a city. I bet the tour would give you even greater context for understanding the day-to-day life of Lincoln and the great pressures he faced. I'd also like to recommend this tour to anyone else listening. It's great, and I always encourage tourists to get off the mall and see D.C.,
2: as the great city is, it, it oh, is. CDC,
1: the Center for Disease Control? Yeah. <laughs> At last name of <laughs> I've health. actually
2: never Enturaged been... is when you force people to watch the Entourage movie. But <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you
2: don't force them, you just, you just you know, push it on them a yeah, little you bit. Yeah, you invite them over for a party, and then you just put it on the DVD player, and you're like, hey, just do what your body wants, guys. Mm-hmm. And then they turn it off, because that's what their body wants.
1: Your mm-hmm. uh, body rejects it. I've actually never been to the soldier's home, I've really wanted to go, and I haven't had a trip to D.C. In years when I've been able to to it, I mean, we to went it. to DC for a live show for a, like a day.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Elliot was yeah. like, "Take me to Soldier's Home, take me to Soldier's Home." And we're like, "No, we don't have but time, like Elliot. Maybe tomorrow, Elliot." Like to all all we, rub, we rubbed
1: a little, <laughs> we rubbed a little whiskey on his gums and put him to bed. <laughs> yeah, because I was fussy. <laughs> uh, it's I've, I was just reading a book recently about Lincoln's relationship with John Hay and his private one of his private secretaries later became Teddy Roosevelt's secretary of state, among other posts that he held. And it talked about these horse rides that they would do, the two of them between the White House and the soldier's home. And I was getting so envious for all this concentrated time that he got to spend with Abraham Lincoln just kind of like hanging out. And I would like to go see it actually for that reason. It was, at the time it was built, it was way off in the woods. And now it's just in D.C. because the city has expanded. But I'd like
2: to go maybe you could convince Daniel Day-Lewis to go with you and he would put on his Lincoln performance. Yeah, that seems. So it, like, uh, there's only
1: a few steps that I'll have to go through to get yeah. to that point.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Step one, find out how to contact Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean,
2: if he's not available, just get Daniel Knight-Lewis. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I've been great tonight. Is that
1: M. Night Shyamalan's middle name, brother? (laughs) M. Day Shyamalan. (laughs) M. Day Shyamalan has no twist endings in his films. You see what you get, says M. Day Shyamalan. (laughs) Uh, Hey, now's the time for
0: the last segment on the show. Okay. I don't know if I have the energy. Yeah, sure I do. Which is when we recommend movies... That we actually liked, although we enjoyed
4: mm-hmm. uh, No so Reservation, like, no no <laughs> yeah. yeah, Parts Unknown. Was <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: this is a movie that you'd watch as like a double feature with No Deposit.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So what? Well, what are you guys gonna recommend? I have my recommendation. Okay, so <laughs> okay, uh, I'll go first. <laughs> I be guess. A no pressure, but I've got one. <laughs> I'm gonna recommend a movie that probably doesn't need me to champion for it. Uh, this is a movie that was, uh, I guess, a big release when I was a kid, and I saw it in the theater. Uh, it stars Elliot's pal Sly Stallone Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a movie called Demolition Man so if you're looking for a (laughs)
3: big Dan
2: had
1: to look (laughs) at his face like you bastard are you going to recommend Demolition Man? (laughs) (laughs) why today of all days
2: (laughs) why why in 2016 (laughs) Dan Dan stares into my eyes hoping to find some kind of understanding (laughs) there, but he sees nothing.
3: Not but emptiness. Grizzlies too.
2: So yeah, no, Demolition Man is a movie where the greatest (laughs) sleeps tell us what it is. (laughs) This little known
1: indie hit. Indie film. Was yeah. it even a hit when it came out? I thought it was, I don't know. Uh,
0: it was a minor success, I believe. So, it, Oh, the miners liked it.
1: Mm-hmm. Played
0: real well <laughs> yeah. in Harlan
1: County, Kentucky.
0: Well, yeah. they did not really have much else to watch down in the mines. Just projected on the
2: bare yeah, rock. The, yeah. the, the strong who's side are you on platform that Sylvester Stallone stands for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, Demolition Man is about a, the greatest <laughs> cop of the universe fighting an evil drug dealer. And they both... Uh, end up getting charged with a crime and frozen. And then they wake up far in the future and they get into all kinds of wacky adventures. And the villain in this case is played by Wesley Snipes. And this is genuinely a great, over-the-top, cartoony performance that would have not been out of place in any of the Tim Burton uh, Batman movies. It's great. Uh, It's almost worth watching just on that energy alone. And it's the sort of thing, it's the sort of performance where you're like, Kind of surprised that Wesley Snipes isn't a bigger star because he is so much fun to watch in this movie. I mean, he was a—he has been a
1: huge star. He's gone through. His I mean, he's and fallen downs. on hard times, I suppose. I mean, not paying your taxes for many years and then having to pay them all at once will do that to you.
2: Yeah, I suppose. Um, so, if you get a chance, uh, if you haven't already seen it, you should go check it out. It's a great example of a good bad movie. Uh, and you can finally find out what the three seashells in the bathroom are all about. You
1: don't know how to use those? Ha, <laughs> ha 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 It also has, uh, perhaps the most gratuitous piece of nudity in yeah. any film ever. <laughs> yeah. It, it, where Sylvester Stallone just gets a wrong video phone call from a nude lady, and that's mm-hmm. the entirety
2: of it. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were someone else. And now that we have video phone calls, you know, that shit happens all the time. Constantly. Mm-hmm. People are constantly misdialing their video phone numbers. Okay, so Dan, now that you can't recommend demolition man, <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: damn you! Uh, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna take a page from Elliot's playbook. I'm gonna recommend a movie from 1935. Just don't take a page from my Playboy. <laughs> what if it's one of those like terrible joke pages? You can take those; those are pretty bad. Um, or if it's an article about travel. <laughs> yeah, or some
1: Norman Mailer. Mailer. Article Or Norman Mailer. I'm not familiar with his work either, but... <laughs> He's French. Norman Mailer plus manure. Um, so, uh, 1935,
0: the version of A Midsummer Night's Dream that was done, uh, and it had Olivia de Havilland as Titania, it had Jimmy Cagney as Bottom, it had Dick Powell as Lysander, I believe,
1: think so. And Joey Brown is another Joey one. Joey Brown the is snug mechanical joiner. Um it's uh It's it's the it was the film version of the like what Max Reinhardt production? I believe that's correct. Uh and it's uh to my
0: taste, I know Elliot and I talked about this and we had minor disagreement. To my taste, there's a little too
1: much Uh, gauzy photography of fairies running around. Which I think is the the biggest strong point of the movie. That's a movie I really like a lot. And the thing I like the most about it is the like 30s gauzy photographed choreography where there's Mm -hmm. just like nymphs running around a forest with like a lot of glitter everywhere. Uh, It happens a lot. I like that. I like that aspect of it. If you like that, then
0: you'll love uh, The 35, Midsummer Night's Dream. Like,
1: Jim, James Cagney's really good in it. Joey Brown is really funny in yeah, it. Yeah,
0: the, the rude mechanical stuff is very funny. Uh, I think it's probably the strongest stuff in the movie. It's an interesting movie to watch. I'm a I'm a big fan of the play. It's an interesting movie to watch to see how much they cut down the play. Like, even though the movie's, like, over two, two hours long. It's, like, 2.15 or something Gotta like make that. make room for all those fairies running around. Yeah. There's... Whole like wide
1: swaths of dialogue that's just replaced by like people making various faces at each other. Uh, The only thing I really don't like in that movie is Mickey Rooney's performance. Mickey Rooney is terrible. He's just very irritating. He's so irritating.
0: I mean, Mickey Rooney can go broad, you know, a, a lot of the time. But this is him as a child, and he like has this like weird like I'm an old man but a child quality about him and he does this laugh like every other line that just like goes like,
1: <laughs> like this horrible braying yeah, thing that, yeah
0: and uh
1: but yeah. aside from but that's I think that's a good movie yeah I think that's still the best film version of that play that I've seen I think that that's probably true but that that also is, it's damning with very faint praise yeah
0: but uh I
1: have seen better stage
2: productions of it
1: mm-hmm, sure you have yeah, yeah.
2: But if you're a Two fan, come to mind. if you're a fan of uh, one
1: in Stratford itself,
2: oh wow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're big,
1: treading big the shot. boards, uh, I guess.
0: <laughs> if you're a fan of Midsummer's at all, you should watch the movie. That's what I. And then
1: just go watch a Midsummer Night Sex Comedy, a mm-hmm. really good movie with a terrible title. Sure. And I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm going to take a page from the Elliot Kalin playbook and recommend an old movie that's also a foreign film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to recommend... You know what? Frank D'Angelo just wanted to make movies, and he it's not like he had training in it at all. He just decided he had a story to tell, and he decided to tell it. And this movie was made in similar fashion by a little man named Satyajit Ray uh, oh. from India. And this is his first film, Pather Panchali, which I've been putting off watching for years because even though I love old movies and I love old foreign movies and I love foreign movies, I still every now and then get that feeling of like, "Mm, uh, this is going to be not as enjoyable as it is like good for me. But Pether Banjali is like a genuinely like beautiful, entertaining movie and it's really heartbreaking and really good. It's from the 50s and it's a film about rural Indian poverty, but about one family, a husband and wife. The husband has dreams of being a writer, but he's just kind of not supporting his family the wife is the one the pressure falls on and they have two kids uh an older daughter and a younger son and there's a certain amount of slice of likeness to it but there's a lot of tight plotting in it also mm-hmm. and i like don't want to like talk it's like to, to describe the plot is not to describe what's interesting about it but it's like a beautiful looking film and the emotions in it are really strong and the performances are really great and it's one of those movies where you're like, "This was his, the director's first movie. A number of the actors in it were not professional actors at the time. Like, that's crazy. This is such a good movie. So I highly recommend it. Paythar Panchali."
2: Yeah. Okay, three equally good movies. That's right.
1: Yeah. Yep. One one was uh, is is one of the hallmarks of Indian cinema, and then you've got uh, kind of golden age Hollywood adapting the greatest writer who ever existed, and then you got. Demolition Man. <laughs> the, the first of, rated uh, R. I assume would be a Sylvester Sloan Rob Schneider double feature with Judge Dredd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also a futuristic uh, adventure. If only Dennis Leary had also been in Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. The Three Musketeers, they called them. Yep. <laughs> you know, because they loved the candy bar of the
3: same name. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, hey Rob, had me another well, but- candy bar. <laughs> So oh, make this will be most good here. Hey, hey Whoa. guys! Heard you were talking about Demolition Man, so I had to stop by. But I <laughs> the episodes running a little long, so I just realized I started a bit. That's not a good idea. So I think I'm probably gonna get going. <laughs>
2: All right. Yeah, I had questions about your character, John Spartan.
3: <laughs> don't really remember it too much. <laughs> what was the name of Wesley Snipes' character like? Simon Jimmy Phoenix. Phoenix? <laughs> so I knew it was Phoenix or something. Anyway, uh, go see whatever movie I have in theaters right now. Is there something out? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, well, get a uh, Creed on DVD. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, DVD. People yeah. loved it, and uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll be back at some point. You know, all right? Well, it's always good to see you. you so, doors always what's, always open. what's we, good with you guys, guys? Stuart, You just uh, opened your new bar.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been really successful. We carry Bullet Bourbon.
3: Oh, mm. like my movie Bullet to the Head. Yeah, and Dan, you've got uh, a lot of good things going on. No, right? that's not true at all. Okay, gotta go. <laughs> well, you know, uh, even old Sly knows when he's uh, put his foot in the old mouth. So I gotta, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: He always has his jetpack with him. I hope Elliot comes back soon. He's gonna be so mad he missed again. I'm
1: back, guys. I didn't miss anything, right? I just went to get some more. Uh, Cheetos. We didn't miss anything
2: we'll you at you after all. The... So, I just want to thank everybody who came out to the Max yeah. Fun Meetup. Uh, there was a lot of folks that I hadn't met before, and that was really great to meet so many nice, uh, cool folks who came out to the Meetup. Uh, what a week ago at the bar I just opened. It was really humbling to just meet all these really nice people and get that kind of support um and dan had a great time too yeah i was also there (laughs) (laughs) i missed it but i regretted missing it hopefully we'll get to do more of those things it's super fun um and if you didn't come out because you were worried that you wouldn't know anybody you should come out and come and and talk to me because at a lot of those things i mainly spend the time standing around wondering uh who i can talk to
1: (laughs) feel free to just walk up to Stuart and tell him you don't listen to
2: the flop house yeah please do that um, People feel fine doing that, apparently. Uh, in, in between uh, meetups, you can also check out the Flophouse on YouTube. Just check out Flophouse Podcast. There's a lot of really great stuff. Specifically, there's some really great stuff that's made for that podcast. Uh, for, our that podcast. YouTube, for our podcast, for that YouTube channel <laughs> by uh, by Tony Oker, which are great. Animated adaptations. Including a recent nice. one featuring, uh, featuring a guy slides named Sylvester Stallone. Right? Yeah. Oh, man, I hope I'm here the next
1: time he stops by. I always miss him.
2: Uh, Dan and I look at each other awkwardly mm-hmm. and then uh, and yeah and if you're looking for any uh, Christmas presents <laughs> or whatever man just just because presents uh, don't forget that we got merch available at the Max Fun store including a really awesome poster by the artist Tom Fowler where all of our proceeds for it go directly to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention a great cause okay
1: uh, thanks Stu for that uh, housework This episode was so packed full of experiences We watched a really crazy, funny movie
4: mm-hmm. We
1: celebrated nine years together
2: We talked about, we talked we, about the Holocaust
1: We talked and Robert about the Loja. Holocaust a fair amount And uh, recommended some movies Had some laughs, said hello to some people Said sup to one person in particular Yeah
2: mm-hmm. Helen
1: Sup <laughs> Helen The taking of Helen, one, two, three uh, Well,
0: I hope that Helen has a good time I hope that you've all had a good time but uh, all are we, good times are we dying? gotta come to an end, <laughs> yeah. and we're dying. So as we put ourselves uh, into a into grave, our, <laughs> into yeah, an eternal of... sleep, <laughs> yeah. uh, we sign off saying, uh, "I've been Dan McCoy,
2: and this guy's been Stuart Wellington, and over here, still tiny, Elliot Kalen." Good night, everyone. Hey.
1: Small Vember! <laughs> So this is just like Godzilla. It's a real New York movie.
2: Hell yeah. How are my levels? Leveling up. How are my levels? This is how I'm going to talk the whole time. Like that? Just like like this. I'm going to talk like this. And now this. I'm going to talk like this sometimes too. I will talk like
1: this. Like a robot. The whole episode. (laughs) It won't get annoying. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah, I guess you got to do the hand motions. I'm doing them even though they cannot hear for realism. Uh-huh, yeah. You can hear the yeah. confidence of the hand motions in the voice. Yep. It helps my performance posture.
2: That's, uh, that was the, the directing you gave during MST3K, right?
1: I said, Hey, move like a robot while you're saying those things. Move like a robot.
2: Move like a robot. Let's Boom go up to the tune of Smooth Operator. Like a robot.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Boom Operator. <laughs> Boom Operator. That's, nope. the,
1: that's the farthest I've ever gotten with that parody. I've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah, that's pretty
4: good. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
0: Listener supported.